Welcome to another episode of My Story, a podcast that dives into the personal stories of people who have struggled with opioid addiction. This podcast is supported by Stand for Recovery, a nonprofit that helps find and pay for recovery treatment of individuals who are left without any options from their insurance providers or government programs. It's a great cause, and if you've been following any of the news lately about opioid addiction, you probably know that this is a big issue. So it's good that Stand for Recovery exists as a platform to help. If you want to help Stand for Recovery pay and support individuals in need, like the people we talk to in this podcast, please call 1-800-874-0134 or go to standforrecovery.com and click donate. There's no minimum and every bit helps. This week, our guest is Linda, who has three sons, all of which struggle with addiction. The disease caught the boys at an early age, starting with alcohol and eventually leading to opioids. Linda tells her story of how a family survives through faith and a choice not to give up or give in to her sons. From failed rehabs to what-if scenarios that are heartbreaking, it's an emotional story not often heard from this perspective. So I encourage you to sit back and listen. Without further ado, here is Linda's story. My name is Linda Marshall. Um, I live uh, in Arcadia, California. I am a school teacher of um, close to 30 years. Um, I grew up in a large family, and three of my sisters were um, had become teachers. And so I, uh, I remember um, when I was a, a little girl just learning how to read. My older sister, who's just old, older by four years, she uh, would bring us into the uh, living room and she would teach us, and that's where it all began. Out of eight um, children, I am a middle child. Um, there are three younger than me and four older than me. I have three brothers um, and um, four sisters. And uh, father was a World War II vet, um, worked on the B-52 bombers. Um, but he always uh, encouraged us to get into education and that he knew that um, he wanted us to have a better life. So he always encouraged us to get into uh, education. Um, we have uh, three sons, um, all about a year and a few months apart, maybe a year and three months. Um, uh, Sean and Jeremy about about 18 months apart and uh, uh, JP and um, Jeremy about 12 months apart. <laughs> yes. And uh, let's see, we um, just uh, love, we always wanted to have a family. Um, we didn't, um, uh, didn't realize we were going to have, <laughs> we wa- I, I wanted just two, two children and he wanted as many as we could have. <laughs> Our first f- almost five years of marriage, we didn't have any children. I was not able to because at that time, I, I didn't know I had this um, problem called endometriosis, and I couldn't um, uh, have children. At first, it was very difficult, and we were, we were okay with not, not uh, being able to have children. But once um, uh, I, was, I was being treated um, by a doctor, that problem went away, and then immediately after, I was able to have children. So that was that was awesome. It was exciting, and uh, after that it was like one boy after another, one child after another. 
uh, within a three-year span. And uh, all three children were in diapers at one point. Um, but I, we were so glad to have a, a home full of uh, children. It was a happy time. I remember our, our family, Eddie and myself, um, we, were, um, we were missionaries. Uh, we were sent out through our church, a little church in East Los Angeles, and uh, we were uh, sent to um, Tokyo, Japan. We, were, we lived there for about, uh, I believe, about four years, uh, one year without children and three with children. Um, like I said earlier, two of our sons were born in, in uh, Tokyo, Japan. And um, let's see, when we returned, uh, we, um, you know, they began, they went to grammar school. They were doing very well at that time. And then once they became uh, middle schoolers um, is when all the problems happened. And uh, we moved from uh, Alhambra to Arcadia. And Arcadia is a very affluent uh, neighborhood. And um, a lot of their friends would be, you know, drinking. They would go to school with thermoses. And we were thinking it has like either hot cocoa or coffee even. And it was always filled with some kind of hard liquor. Um, so the their friends, um, one day, uh, the, the way we found out was that... Um, our middle son started, uh, it was, someone had given him free ecstasy pills. And he wanted to share it with his brothers. And after that time, it was, uh, Jeremy was 13 and uh, uh, JP was just in, like still in grammar school. Uh, and then Sean was uh, already an eighth grader at the time. So they all became addicted from that point on. And uh, for many years, many years, it, they could not break it. They could not um, uh, stop the addiction. It was so strong. And it, uh, at that time, we didn't know that it became a disease. It became a disease because they could not stop. No matter what we did, we tried so hard. And it was so... It was so sad because in, I want I, Eddie and uh, Eddie and I we always wanted we always wanted our boys to get into a higher education and um, do something awesome and amazing with their lives. It was like we've lost our family that day. It was. It was devastating. Um, so uh, it, it did not stop. We thought that, um, okay, we were going to get them help. Uh, we were going to send them away. We did. We sent our youngest away um, to Oregon with a family friend. And uh, um, he got a lot of help during that time. But it just followed him. The problem just followed him. Um, hindsight, when we look back, we wish that we would have um, 
there's a lot of would-haves and could-haves, or we wish we could've uh, sent them away at that time, or move, pick up, and move our family out of state. That's what we would've done differently. We would've, we would've uh, left. If we can roll the back, the wheels of time, that's what we would've done. Um, they're dealing with an addiction that will follow them to their grave. It's, it's ongoing. It's never-ending. The rehabs at the beginning were not good at all. It would only last for a month. And after a month, it was like turmoil. We knew the 30 days were coming up, and we'd say, Oh, my God, how are we going to uh, get them to stay on the right path? And you know how teenagers are. They fight you, and they fight you, and they fight you. They say, you know, okay, we're going to go to the meetings, and then they don't show up. We're going to get a sponsor. They never get a sponsor. They lie through their teeth over and over. Um, but uh, it's like God has always been watching over my family and our boys because it just seemed like... Um, he gave us hope. He gave us hope to keep going and never, never, ever give up on them. And we never have. Some of our families, family members say, why don't you just throw them out? Why don't you just let them, you know, lose and let them figure it out on their own? And even my brother who was addicted, just, you know, send them away, you know, just let them go. But uh, we knew that it was, we would lose them completely or probably... Uh, they would not be alive today. So uh, we're so glad we've um, never gave up on them. We never gave into them either. Um, I, uh, whenever they were really deep into their addiction, I remember a time I was driving to work with a friend, and I was crying my heart out, and I realized that. I was losing it. I was um, ready on the brink of having a nervous breakdown. I knew then that I needed to get help myself. So um, it's like God kept leading me. He never, ever left my side. It's hard for me to speak. I had this fear of things that were said to me as a little child. But I... I thank God that I am healing from that. It has taken a lot of years. But I'm glad and I'm hopeful. And um, a miracle has happened in, in my family. And it happened this year. Um, I um, desperately wanted, and my, and my husband, Eddie, we wanted to find a better a better um, uh, rehab for for one of my sons, our sons. And um, so we, I just said, you know what? I want to do something different this time. Um, Sean just had just um, committed to his life, to his higher power. He goes, you know, Mom, the only thing, the reason why I keep falling back into addiction is because I don't have a higher power. Everybody else has one. They have a rock. They have a... Um, a plant, they have something that doesn't make sense. And to me, those aren't real gods. 
But he goes, I know that you have a real God because whenever you pray, he answers your prayers. And uh, he said, okay, so I wanna turn my life over to my higher power. And so um, he had just uh, got kicked out of another rehab because it was close to the 30 days. And um, he was frightened. He didn't know where he was going to go. So I said, okay, Sean, let's, let's pray. Let's ask God to, to lead us to the right rehab. And um, it, was, it was amazing. It was different than all the other rehabs because all the other rehabs, 30 days. This one was 90 days plus. And if you wanted to stay longer, as long as you were working the program, you could stay as long. And what was really amazing is that they didn't, if they mess up, they didn't get kicked out. They were helped. They were, they had therapists, they had doctors. And uh, so that's what, uh, why Sean is now, he has over a hundred days um, sober. And, and also JP is uh, at a sober living and, um, He's also on a path to uh, recovery and uh, healing, and I'm so, so proud of both of these boys. And, um, and Jeremy is able to have a better relationship. He blames himself. He blames himself for offering that, the ecstasy pills, and he really feels bad about it. And, but uh, just recently, He's doing things with Sean, and he um, loves being around his brother. He goes, you know, we're kind of goofy and everything. He goes, but it's so fun to be around a sober brother. After four years of them going to the same rehabs again and again, and in those rehabs, they became even more addicted because there were other addicts in there, young um, you know, teenagers who were bringing in the drugs through the most <laughs> hidden places in their bodies. It was, it was gross, you know, in, in their <clears throat> anal cavities, um, you name it. Maybe they had it. I, I just can't remember all the places, but very unusual places. Um, and so they would, they would get, uh, that's, JP started using meth, or black tar, I think it's called, in, in uh, one of those rehabs. And he would just get worse and worse. Instead of improving, he would get worse. As soon as they used again, they would get kicked out. And we thought, hey, they're in a rehab. They, the counselor should be able to help them. And instead of kicking them out, that's when they most need to be in a rehab. But they would kick them out every time they would use. And um, many times they, uh, they would use. Another um, boy or girl would bring the drug, and they would use, and they would t uh, test positive. And there goes the cycle again and again. Eddie and I would spend days and hours and looking and looking through... Um, uh, you know, the internet to try to find just the right uh, rehab. And the very first, as soon as I turned to God, bam, we found it, the first one I called. And uh, this was a, 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 it was more a rehab to help the, uh, the individual, the, the one that was uh, needing help. And they weren't going to kick them out. It's like when, we've, when I first uh, uh, met with the um, 
the person who was the director there. Uh, and then um, uh, I remember, remember asking the director, so if he, you know, finds drugs or he somehow gets tests positive, will he be kicked out? They said, no, we're, we're, we're here to help the, the, um, the addict. We're here to help them not, not find um, when they're—we know they're going to mess up. And, but we want to see them get healed. We want them to see. We want to see them get whole again. Just I see him as, as a different person today, and even gained all his weight back. He's a ways more than than Eddie, and um, so we're really happy with this rehab. What's next for our, our family is is wholeness, healthiness. Number one, sobriety. <laughs> That's the. You know, sobriety this year is a gift. It's like a, it is a gift and it's it's tangible. We didn't think it would ever be uh, here this year. We thought it was going to be years down the road, but it's uh, becoming a reality. And um, what's next for us is uh, those dreams that we had for our boys are becoming alive again. We see them going into education, the very thing we wanted to for them to do in the beginning. Um, those dreams are becoming alive again, and um, just having uh, family time, quality time together, and uh, just uh, seeing our boys just grow up to be healthy men, men who are contributors to the family and to society, and uh, being uh, just finding purpose in life and their destiny. And so that's my story. My name is Linda Marshall, and I stand for recovery. There are others like Linda out there, all with incredible stories of loss, love, and the strength to overcome one of the greatest epidemics of this age, opioid addiction. As this mini-series dives into those stories, I hope it gives you some insight on what our government and health insurance companies are not doing to help. If you want to help people like Linda fight this battle against opioid addiction, I encourage you to go to StandForRecovery.com and donate. Or call 1-800-874-0134 if you know someone who needs help. Stand for Recovery helps those with addiction when the larger systems have failed to help. Stand for Recovery is a nonprofit that places those who truly want to be free of addiction in treatment centers around the country. So please support. Next week, we'll hear Deb's story, who, after suffering the loss of her son to a drug overdose, took that raw energy to start a recovery center to prevent other mothers from losing their children to opioid addiction. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes so others can find us. See you next week on My Story.